0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. All right, good evening, welcome. It is the Feast of the East podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network and also Willis Digital Media, home of the podcast. My dancing partner over there, pinch hitting for Craig Ladd, it is the Stephen Willis, what's up, Steve?
2: Oh, not a lot. Very nice to be here and you know, I hate that Craig was a little bit under the weather and couldn't do his show tonight, but always fun to get here and talk some Eastern Division, especially with me being a Western division guy. I get to learn a little bit today.
1: You do, man. You're along mm-hmm. for the ride, and I, I definitely appreciate that. Well, the chat is always open, uh, always rocking and rolling. So uh, glad to have that available. Our assistant producer Jake Thomas will be by shortly. I'm sure of that. Um, our show is presented by BetOnline.ag. Uh, some interesting action. I won my first parlay this weekend. I played the uh, I played Georgia. Uh, minus thirty-seven and a half, and I played probably one of the easiest bets ever. Notre Dame plus six over Wisconsin won that one. Didn't play too much money, but it was still nice to win it. So, uh, but we're back and better than ever. All eyes on the gridiron as teams are back for another season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. With new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. So, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use that promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your bonus from football, basketball, and boxing, right onto your favorite Vegas casino games. I'm a blackjack guy myself. Don't wait to take the advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Time's running out. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts, Steve action packed week four, man. Um, lots of, lots of things happening. Uh, lots of great games. There was a great Western division game that, that happened uh, on CBS at two thirty this past Saturday that, that we can touch on a little bit, but some Eastern division stuff going on as well. Uh, Florida, Tennessee was a, was a good one for a little while. Kentucky, South Carolina. Um,
2: let's start in Vanderbilt, man. um, How pitiful is Vanderbilt, man? It's just a system change. Whenever you go from Derek Mason to any type of modern offense, there's going to be a level of slowness in – putting that team together. And that is what is happening to Vanderbilt for Clark Lee. Most, most schools have a three year process to rebuild, or maybe even a two year process to rebuild. Clark Lee might have a five year process to rebuild. There's between transfers and everything else with that team. There's just a lot that is going on at the moment. Um, And, I, I genuinely feel sorry. Um, Barton Simmons is one of our boys. We go way back with him. And, but, and I think Clark Lee will get it turned around, but I don't know if he'll get the five or six years necessary to actually do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, for Clark Lee, it's got to be, you know, I for, he's got to find some emotion on the sideline. I mean, just every time they showed him, he was just like this. Yeah. Just standing there. No clapping, no nothing. Just mic microphone up. Just standing there, um, watching as JT Daniels throws for five touchdowns in the first quarter. I uh, had to go up thirty five nothing. He takes a seat, sets, and Bennett comes out. And my God, man, it's it's just like it was a freaking wrecking ball, man. And, and, you know, Georgia looked great. You know, obviously they look crisp, which is what you wanted to see out of this Georgia team. You wanted to see them come out and bury opponent and, and cover a really large spread. And they did, they probably doubled the spread. So uh that, you know, for Georgia in this game, it was one of those, you have a, you have an important game against Arkansas, which coming into the season didn't think it was going to be all that important, but now coming into the season, they're, Pretty close to the top ten now. That's going to be one of the games of the week, and I'm sure we'll talk about it on Wednesday night. And so, mm. man, I'm, I'm I'm excited for it, and um, I'm just excited to see Georgia playing well and, and starting to starting to win in other areas. You know, they're running the ball well. Uh, they, they they always kind of do that. Um, they're spreading out, they're spreading the wealth a little more, which is good. Um, but it's good to see that JT is a little bit more crisp this year. He's got, he's building a rapport with some of these guys, some of these receivers and my God, Brock Bowers, uh, is incredible at at the tight end position. And then Ladd McConkie is shaping up to be our version of Hunter Renfro.
2: Yeah, I I really like the Georgia offense right now. I like the, love the Georgia defense. That's the best defense that's probably been seen in college football since Alabama in the early 2010s and that range right there. But th- this is just a yeah. dominant defense. I mean, it makes sense. Kirby was running those defenses as well. Um, yeah. But Georgia's the best team in college football right now. Now will they be in January? I don't know, but right now they are absolutely the best team in college football.
1: Yeah, no doubt, and then they're playing that way, and you can't you can't say that they. I mean, at every level, they have somebody that's an elite playmaker. I mean, hmm. let's just you know let's look at it from especially on the defense side. Let's look at the defensive line. You have Jordan Davis, elite. He's going to be a day one draft pick. Um, N'Kobe Dean, probably a second rounder. Right. Second, third rounder, third rounder at the worst. Uh, Mm -hmm. Then you have, you know, you you had that. It's kind of like the, there's not really like a superstar DB, but they're all elite in their own, their own way. Like they all like Keely Ringo started to become one of my favorite cornerbacks. He is having a tremendous season. Um, Number five, he's a, a redshirt freshman. I really like him a lot. Offensively, obviously you got JT, you got the running backs and having a nice season. Jamari Sawyer uh, is is the leader of the offensive line. So uh, lots of great things happening with this Georgia team. So, uh, it's going to be an exciting matchup. We'll, we'll talk about here in a little while, uh, when they take on the hogs. They welcome, uh, boss hog and, and, uh, Arkansas Razorbacks to, uh, to Athens for, for a rematch. So, uh, we'll, we'll get into more of that later, but, uh, Missouri goes out, uh, to Chestnut Hill and loses an overtime, a close overtime game, 41 34, uh, to Boston College, a game that I, th- Thought was going to be kind of more in Missouri's favor. I, I thought Missouri, uh, I thought Missouri matched up well on that. Um, but you know, I, I just think you know Missouri had the game won a few times, and then they just couldn't. They just couldn't grasp a hold of that victory. And I think part of it was was being on the road. Um, part of it, BC is a good team. Um, and you have to give them credit for it. BC. Uh, they, they have a lot of resiliency and they're really, and they're good up front. Mike Vrabelson is a, is an offensive lineman, uh, draft prospect that plays for Boston college. And, and they're one of the better offensive lines in the, in the ACC, which I guess is not saying a whole lot, but they are good. They are competitive and, and they're a
2: team you can't sleep on. So what, what stood out to you on this one? It, one one thing that stood out to me is that Missouri has some problems defensively because BC just lined it up and decided to mash you, and Missouri had no answer to that. It's a style of offense that in no way should have scored 41 points. Right. And they they just did. They took advantage of Missouri's defense, and Missouri's defense may be built to handle spread offenses. It might be a defense that is more – apt to stop an Ole Miss or a uh, Mississippi state, but they're going to struggle with the old style. Like if, if Missouri plays Auburn, I'm curious to be, to see what would happen in that game.
1: Well, TJ Finley, we go crazy in that hmm. game. Uh, apparently. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure uh, Jake and, and Kevin will will uh, will chime in on that game tomorrow night on Best mm-hmm. of the West. But uh, the chat's open, guys. Uh, let's let's jump in here and and talk. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where Missouri's got to find a way to stop physical teams because that's what they're going to face all in this league. They're, you know, Ole Miss is an actually a physically. Run based team, they're just a little more flair with it, and they've got the pass off of it and some RPO stuff. Uh, Georgia obviously is going to cram it down their throat. Kentucky's going to cram it down their throat. South Carolina can run a little bit. There, you know, Tennessee can run a little bit. Um, so they got to figure out they got to figure out some answers with teams that's going to line up and smash the ball right at them, um, and then open some other things up because that's kind of what what I see happening. And they just got to do a better job of taking care of the football late. And, uh, and and putting away games that should be put away like this one should have been twice.
2: Yeah and and going back to your um, Florida Tennessee result from there, if Hendon Hooker wouldn't have gotten hurt, Tennessee would have absolutely covered in that game. Whenever Joe Milton came in and played quarterback again, they, they went back to their old thing. There was no deep threat whatsoever. The yeah. accordion shrunk down and Florida just had everything that they wanted. Um, and the Alabama game, the Alabama Southern Miss game, you're like, hey, that's 45.5. That's too many points. They score two touchdowns on kickoff returns. If if one of those touchdowns don't happen, they don't cover, and that makes me angry. Southern Miss, by the way, is going to be a it's team that's teams. going to be that is going to be really good in like three years, but they're yeah, not going haul, to be there now. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, I like Will Hall. I, I, I think if he takes that two lane model. I think he's going to make something really special down there in, in, in Southern Miss just to not to get off topic too much. But yeah, I mean, special teams, you know, you, you, you got to win the kicking game. Obviously yeah. you, you, you got to cover on kickoffs. You got to do all that stuff. You got to take care of that. That can kill you mm-hmm. and that can make a close game. Not so close. Yeah.
2: yeah that could blow a game wide open. I think what, um, I forget his name. All of a sudden the wide receiver from Alabama, he's got like five touchdowns this year of over Jam- 80 yards. Jamison Williams. Yeah. Jameson Williams. Transfer from like, Ohio state. Yeah. Like five touchdowns of over 80 yards, two kickoff returns, and then three in the passing game. And, I mean, yeah, that that's crazy. He's averaging 45 yards per kickoff return.
1: Yeah. It's insane. Mm. It's absolutely insane. But, um, yeah, going you know going to the Tennessee game. Uh, we can jump straight into that. Um, you know, the, the Gators made plays where they needed to make plays. Obviously, getting after the quarterback is something they were able to successfully do. When they can get pressure on the quarterback, they can knock him down, hit him, sack him. Uh, they can force some things. Uh, they can force you into some some errors that uh, you don't typically make. They can you know possibly. Get you to your second string quarterback quickly and uh, put some pressure on him, especially if it's somebody that can't really throw like Joe Milton can. It really kind of makes things easy for Todd Grantham. But that game in no way was secure until Hendon Hooker went out. And and I I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you, I I, I am impressed with Hendon Hooker. I I was impressed with Tennessee. Um, you know they're they're showing me some things that you know this they get a couple more pieces and they probably they're like two or three pieces maybe four. Away from winning that game this past weekend, like if they if, if they had some of those pieces and Hooker doesn't go down, they probably win that
2: game. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Now we're going to talk about hope for Tennessee. I understand this year you're going to go five and seven or four and eight, Tennessee fans. I mean that's just it's, going to happen. You don't. It's going to happen. Yeah, you don't have the horses this year. You have the scheme. You don't have the horses, and it and through the transfer portal and whatever's going the f- basically free agency in college football. There's a chance to plug those holes up a little bit quicker. So a three-year rebuild becomes a two-year rebuild, which is yeah. good because you're probably you know paying that coach um, a ton of money. So see that there's some hope. I really like that number eight. I can't remember his name. The running back for Tennessee. He runs hard. no the other one oh, yeah, um the yeah. Juco um the one that I think he scored the first touchdown on the screen yeah, yeah. um he runs really hard and there's a stretch to where they were inside zoning tie, just tie on uh, Evans yeah Tyon on Evans and yeah. there was a stretch where they were just inside zoning Florida and uh-huh. causing everything to come up closer to try and hit that deep ball and eventually they would hit that deep ball. Yeah, they would. And, and eventually they got to where
1: they couldn't do that anymore, obviously. And then they became one dimensional, but, you know, going back to your your previous point about rebuilding and through the transfer portal, I, I think what Tennessee needs to continue to show is progress improving, you know, they need to show that they have a good culture. I think the buy-in is there with Josh Heupel. Um, And and I, I think the schemes are there and I think they're an attractive program right now. There's a lot of like, there's not a ton of cheesiness that you know that, that you had with Butch Jones. Um, there's you know it's not super bland like it was under Jeremy Pruitt. Um, I, I think you have some genuine excitement around the program. You have some pieces. You have some excitement with the fans. Um, you have some things on campus uh, that support your football team. The tailgating's there. The atmosphere's great still. So the fans are still supporting, which they're doing a good job of doing that. So if I'm a transfer portal kid and, and you know, I I can't – or I don't want to say I can't, but let's just say Tennessee's more attractive than – than it, it, we thought it was going to be coming into the season. So Heupel's doing a great job. I mean, I think he's doing. I think he's right on track. And this this thing could a couple of pieces in the transfer portal could make next year a really interesting year for the Vols. So, um, but they just need to keep hammering what they're what they're doing. Uh, more more tempo, more things to get got more to get defenses on their heels. Um, and they just need to figure out the quarterback position, which I think they have. They just need to get the guy healthy
2: now. Yeah, and people, especially their fan base, need to realize one of the worst mistakes that they have made over the last 20 years was them trying to reclaim what they did to get the national championship. It was all about getting back to when Fulmer was having his glory days. And that's all these blue bloods that fall, so-called blue bloods, there's really no such thing as blue bloods, it's all coaching, uh, is... So whenever the coach retires, they try to keep going what he's doing and nobody can do what he was doing because he was good to start with. It's the same problem that Alabama is going to have with Nick Saban soon. It's the same problem that um, Florida state is going through right now. Can you, can you imagine um, 20 years ago if I told you it was like, Hey, Florida State's going to be 0-4 and, and kind of be the laughing stock of college football, including a loss to an FCS program. You would have laughed, laughed me all the way out of here. You know, you would have just laughed all the way down here. You would have gotten canceled is what would have happened. Yeah. It, 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 it's crazy. And Tennessee fans need to realize they're doing something different right now and it's going to work. They've kind of decided that we need to find out something that fits us. So they went and got Josh Heupel. They went and got the defense. It's different than anything they've done. But if you give it time, it will work.
1: Absolutely. And, and, and that's that's the, that's the case right there. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think once Texas realizes that, you know, Sark is not Mac Brown, mm-hmm. they'll be fine. When Florida State realizes that nobody's going to do it like Bobby did it, and you're mm-hmm. just going to trust that somebody else is going to do it their own way, they're going to be fine. Um, and they might just go ahead and hire Coach Prime. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, you look at Florida after Spurrier left. There was a couple of years where they were trying to do that, and they really kind of lucked into Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. Which you know, yeah. But if it wasn't for him, they there was struggle. And then after Urban Meyer, there was more struggle. And uh, yeah, just be patient. Understand that everything is coaching. If you got one that's good fantastic if you got one that's great do what you can to keep him and the way you could really tell that off back is year two there is a monumental jump if you have a great coach if you have a good coach he's going to be an eight and four he's probably going to be bowling but if you got a great coach like nick saban in year two at alabama 12 and 0 went to the sugar bowl Something like that can take a monumental jump with your guys. And now, I mean, that should be the expected almost um, with the transfer portal and essentially free agency in football.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying, I'm not going to venture out and say Tennessee going to go 12 and oh, that's, that's a bit on the high end of the spectrum there. But I, no. I think, I think going from four and eight to nine and three is a, is a, is a mm-hmm. monumental jump. I, th- I think if, if you're Tennessee, um, and they certainly can do that. They have the pieces to do that and they can certainly recruit. I mean, Josh Hypel is a good recruiter. So, and he's recruited in this league before. So he knows what it takes. And he's recruited at a place like Missouri, like the, no. the years that Missouri won the, the divisional titles, he was there. He recruited Drew Locke, if I remember correctly, right?
2: He recruited I, some I, of those guys. I you? think he recruited Drew Drew Locke, but um, I don't know if that was the couple years when they were winning titles. I think that was um, James Franklin and those guys at Mizzou. Okay. Well, he recruited
1: – well, nonetheless, he probably recruited Drew Locke who came yeah. in later, but, um, you know, he, he recruited some of those guys that were on the the championship teams, the Eastern Division championship teams uh, in Missouri back-to-back years. I mean, so he had, he had a pivotal role in, in, in that effort. And so, you know, he knows this league. He's familiar with it. And so, um, and he's familiar with, with championship football at the, at the level, you know, that he played at when he was at Oklahoma. So, Tennessee, do yourself a favor. Realize you got a good one. Give him a chance because I th- I think it'll pay off for you, um, and I think he'll
2: be good. So, um, also going back to Missouri BC real quick. Um, mm-hmm. Those uniforms about Missouri, they need to keep those. Those were fire. Uh,
1: yeah, I I totally concur with that. Mm-hmm. Those are incredible. I uh, the 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 white block M on the black helmet. Mm-hmm. Love those, and and the yeah, those were. Those are awesome, man. Those, those were, those were, I love the font of those numbers. If they could get rid of those all mustard yellow uniforms, I would be okay with that.
2: Yeah. So. I like the, I like the yellow pants and that look that what yellow are, that black helmet, white Jersey, yellow pants. I think that looked really good. And that might've been the stripe on yeah. the Jersey and the pants. Yeah. I just, I just think it looked really good. Yeah, I I don't
1: like the all mustard combination. Um, but I do like the yellow jersey and white pants. I, I think that's a clean look. Um, you know, yellow and white is kind of high schoolish, but or not yellow and white, yellow and black is kind of high schoolish, but mustard buzzard. Mustard buzzards, yeah. That's that's uh that's bean uh, Beantown High School right there, man, right there in the hard right there, hard Mississippi.
2: Hard Georgia. They broke Six. out white helmets against Alabama.
1: Looked pretty good. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I see their Southern Miss. I see their mustard Buzzards. I didn't really watch much of that game, I'll be honest with you. I just kind of kept kept uh, kept track of it. Um,
2: Bryce shot played really well. Really well. I bet he did. I bet he
1: did it. it it's, it's all credit to J boy. That J boy coached him up. That's, that's why he did it. Right. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He probably um, gave him some secrets while he was doing his podcast.
1: Probably man. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. So, um, did you, uh, did you catch much of that Kentucky South Carolina game? I, I think every time I looked at it, I, I felt like I was, I don't know. I, I felt bored watching. it. Yeah. Game,
2: yeah. I, I think Will Levis is Kenny Trill. I honestly, I, think that. I, I think it's a scheme thing, man. I
1: mm-hmm. I, I just think they they they're having a hard time digesting it. It, it just does. It just looks clunky to me.
2: It's the Bill Callahan.
1: Yeah, it's, it's the Bill Callahan effect. Mm-hmm. I I you know I, I thought Cohen coming in. You know I thought he did a good job in the first game, but I, I just don't. I don't see the jump with Kentucky. I, I don't see the pizzazz. I don't see the progression. I don't, I don't see kind of the, the overall goal and the, and the plan and the process of how to get there. I, I just think it's, I, I don't know. Like I, it, it's hard to put a finger on it, but I, I just can't figure out what exactly he's trying to do. Well, um, what What's your identity?
2: Yeah. And one of those things is like, I'll, I'll just talk about this briefly. Um, LSU added some gap scheme types type stuff into their run game against Mississippi state. And it was kind of successful. Yep. But all I can think about was how dangerous that is because if you do everything, you don't do anything. It's, it's just as easy to do too much as it is to do too little, and you can lose your identity if everything goes on. If you keep adding and adding and adding to the playbook, all of a sudden you're going to lose what you want to be. And I, I'm LSU like did very well. Kentucky is still struggling. They're doing all right in the run game. So, South Carolina is pretty salty defensively. Yeah. Um, you know, Will Muschamp can ref- recruit defenders. Shocking. Um, But it's one of those things to where South Carolina, they, they play, they play hard for Beamer, Mm -hmm. but there's not many dudes offensively. There's no shot over there.
1: They have no dudes. I mean, Josh Van is, is the closest thing they got and he's not very consistent. He's prone to dropping some things. He's prone to busting routes. He's prone to just, just disappearing at times. Um, and and as far as Kentucky goes, I, I think Liam Cohen's just learning this is a rough, this is gonna be a rough go for him. He's learning that you can't put everything in. You can't add pages to the playbook. You could add wrinkles to stuff that you already have like small things like you run inside zone. Well, there's some, there's some window dressing you can add to it. There's a couple of things you can run off of that, that go hand in hand with that scheme where you build it kind of from the top down. So you build more depth than breadth. Hmm. You like my SAT words, don't you? Yeah. Um, But you know, when you start building your offense this way, it gets in trouble because you build it this way instead of this way. And I don't think anybody really ever understands fully the the, the concepts. I I think they touch on a little bit of everything and you can't possibly practice everything in a 20 hour work week. And you're not paying these guys millions of dollars like you do NFL guys um, to know this stuff. So the expectation is, is different too. So I think Liam Cohen's learning that the hard way.
2: Yeah, there's not a raw banana out there that can get you out of this one. Um, and Dan Mullen is probably the expert at this. I mean, he does such a fantastic job. He might do 10 things in a game, but he might do it 15 different ways each time. It never looks the same, but he's running inside zone Um, out of 10 different formations, the circus concept. He's got several different ways he can do that. Um, he runs the option based out of all these different formations. So you can't really line up on personnel grouping or you can't line up on formation and get an idea of what's going on because he's so diverse mm-hmm. doing that. You can teach college kids that mm-hmm. you can't teach them to do 60 plays um for a game. Right. It, it's, it's, it's
1: too many. It's all of it's all about how you're presenting it and throwing the defense mm-hmm. off and and throwing your tendencies off and getting guys well like at this level it's just all about getting guys misaligned. If you can get a guy misaligned by a yard and a half you got him. Mm-hmm. Especially on that circus concept. Like if you can <laughs> if if you get a slight edge uh if you get a defender shaded slightly more uh over than than he wants to be because of formation wise and because you you use motions and things like that you got him Like that's what got Georgia last year. I mean, they couldn't, they couldn't figure it out. They had a hard time. And, and that was Chris Smith's first introduction to playing free safety in the SEC was going up against Dan Mullen. And they just kept sending that back out and he could not figure it out. He could not, I mean, you saw him over there. He was frantic. He was pointing around. I mean, it looked, I mean, looked like he was, his head was spinning like crazy and it, he just couldn't, he just couldn't handle it. And that's just because, you know, Dan Mullen found that he could just window dress it and say, okay, I'm going to put them back over here and we're running this way. And he's going to go out the backfield. Now I'm going to put him over here, motion him and then boom. Yeah. And guy yeah, tempo, tempo is an advantage, you know, Mm -hmm. Saban hates it, you know, tempo, you you have a heart that, that, that breaks down communication more than anything. You put, you put 18, 19, 20 year old kids in a panic, hurry up situation. They're going to have a hard time thinking like NFL guys can they're paid to dissect that stuff. College guys it, it, it it's
2: it's tough for them. Hi Cassidy. How's it going? Um I, I got a bet with Cassidy over this um the old Miss Alabama game by the way. Oh, what's the bet? Um if I lose the bet. I think um, it has to be an Alabama T-shirt. I don't have one of them. I might take the background and do an Alabama Houndstooth background or something like that. And if Cassidy loses, if Ole Miss wins the game, she has to come on Best of the West um, and do something Ole Miss-related.
1: She should sing Hotty Tidy Gosh Almighty, Who the Hell Are We, Flint. Yeah, something like that. Oh. Um you know it would be fun to play Ole Miss in the SEC Championship?
2: It it really would because Ole Miss and Georgia culturally the same place. It's yeah. the same school. I mean, Athens is just a little bit bigger Oxford, and I really miss the days back in the eighties and early nineties when Ole Miss played Georgia every year. Yeah, that, that was you know obviously I wasn't around much uh, for that. I was
1: a young tyke, hmm. um, but yeah, I, I do remember seeing a lot of Ole Miss and, and things like that. You know, you you just kind of. Um, I remember my freshman year. Uh, Eli Manning comes comes to Athens. Um, one of the more fun games I've ever been to uh, since since I enrolled at Georgia. Um, he threw that pick six. Uh, Boss Bailey leaped over and and blocked a field goal. Um, you know, a lot of fun things happened in that game. Two star last on the board uh, freshman Tim Jennings, who played like ten plus years in the NFL. Uh, two star came in and picked six Eli, which was, which was awesome. Um, friend of mine, uh, funny story. Friend of mine uh, was wearing a puffy jacket. because It was freezing cold that night. Snug, he had a puffy jacket on a uh, North face, little puffy jacket, snuck a six pack of beast ice. <laughs> and I had no clue. He did it. I had no clue. He snuck them in. And all of a sudden, sudden Georgia scores, and all of a sudden this beast ice is in my face, like, here. <laughs> and he goes, It's a victory beast. And he popped it and just went blue. He just took it down. So I naturally I cheersed him and did
2: the same thing. So um,
1: but such a great I-
2: tradition. Yeah, one of my first um, introductions to college football, I mean, just college football, not even Ole Miss football, was back in the mid-'80s and Lars Tate going against Ole Miss. I'm a little bit too young, believe it or not, to, to see Herschel, but there's the play where Herschel jumped over the line, landed on his feet, and ran for a touchdown. That's on all the college football mm-hmm. videos. But, like, Lars Tate, I remember him – um like vividly and Tim Worley and Garrison Hurst and those guys making plays because it's just one running back after another. Every time you play Georgia, this is just how it's going to be.
1: Yep. And it's, that's been that way for, for a long time. I mean, you went from, obviously you went from Herschel to Lars Tate to, uh, you know, all those guys and Garrison Hurst and uh, Rodney Hampton, uh, Garrison Hurst. Then you went to Terrell Davis, uh, Robert Edwards, uh, Landis, Gary, who actually had a couple thousand yard seasons for the Broncos. Um, then you went into, uh, you know, you had a few down years like Jasper Sanks and some of those guys. And then, then Musa Smith was, he was an extremely productive running back, no name guy. Then, then Thomas Brown comes in and then you have Noshawn Marino. And then obviously you had the run of studs from Gurley to Sony to Keith Marshall to, you know, those guys. So,
2: I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, um, Thomas Thomas Brown um, when Kendrick Lewis got moved to free safety this is when this would have been in 2005 2006 time frame his first start was in Athens Athens and Thomas Brown put a juke on Kendrick Lewis who ended up being an all SEC free safety ended up playing the league for several years but I have never felt so bad for anyone the way I felt for um, Kendrick Lewis after that juke. It, it was absolutely crazy. Oh, and, and Tom Thomas Brown pound
1: for pound, the strongest mm-hmm. dude on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he was like five, eight, 180 pounds or something like that. dude, dude was like outlifting everybody. Um, he's the, he's the running backs coach for the Rams. Now that's where he is. Okay. Um, he was, uh, he was Wisconsin's lead recruiter as, as their running backs coach for a while. Um, you know, he spent time at UGA, Miami, and then in Wisconsin. Now he's in the NFL, so working for Sean McVay. So, um, you know, big, big time career for for him, but uh, just kind of going back to you know, Ole Miss Georgia and all that good stuff. I mean, I, I think they match up really, really well. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, Georgia, I, I think that'd be a great test with uh, with Georgia's defense to see. How well they could do. I mean, if they can turn Matt Corral one-dimensional, I, I think that would be you know to kind of preview that game as it would as it were to stand right now. I think that would be um, that would play to their advantage. I, I just I just think anybody is going to have a hard time blocking
2: the runaway industrial refrigerator in Jordan Davis. So, um, but the one the one advantage that Ole Miss would have in that situation is they run tempo so fast. If that offense can stay on the field and they can get some first downs. They might wear him down a little bit going sideline to sideline. You might they, see a they, little bit of outside zone. They, they, they.
1: That I mean, that would be my game plan for mm. for somebody like that. Go tempo and and wear him out and see what you can do. Because you know, you are not going to be able to get him off the field very much. Um, with, with tempo, you are gonna. I mean, you are gonna have a hard time subbing. Um, he might not play a lot. Of first long stretches of time, which would be an advantage to Ole Miss. But uh, if, if if Georgia can rotate some guys up front, you know Ole Miss I think would be in trouble in that scenario. Mm-hmm. So I, I I really would like to see how we match up with Ole Miss because I think that would be interesting. Um, It'd be a know, fun I'm, game. It would be a very fun game I think for Georgia. Um, you know, they would. I, I don't know right now that they could win a track meet type game if they got into one with with Ole Miss. Maybe. Maybe not, um, but I think they could definitely out physical uh, Ole Miss if, if it'd be basically who? <clears throat> excuse me, whose style of play would take over? Would would Ole Miss's track meet style take over, or would uh, would would Georgia's more physical? Not not necessarily slow it down, but like a slower, more up tempo, more physical tempo game. Uh, would would that take over? And it would just be
2: kind of whose philosophy wins out at that point. Yeah. Who can force and, the other? And just think, this this is the best team in college football right now, and this team does not have George Pickens and does not have Darnell Washington at this point. Who has been cleared to practice. Okay. okay. Uh, but this this team has a chance to get so much better.
1: I know. That's, and if that's... those
2: guys were on the field, I mean, Jermaine Burton would be the big beneficiary of those two players being on the field right now. Uh, Absolutely.
1: Mm -hmm. You're, you're exactly, exactly right. So uh, putting a bow on week four, was there any other games that kind of stood out to you, even outside the conference? Clemson?
2: Uh, down, Perhaps. The 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 fact that they are still ranked is a travesty, and it makes the AP poll and the coaches poll look irrelevant. They're, they're really ranked based the, on reputation at yeah, this point. They should no way be in there. And Oklahoma being fifth or sixth in the country, I don't care that they're undefeated. Um, uh, their teams ranked number 18th. Coastal Carolina that might have beaten the beaten them the other night. They should they, be about number 18.
1: They they got outplayed by West mm-hmm. Virginia.
2: And West Virginia didn't play particularly well. I know. That's the scary part. Yeah. The false start on the half yard line, um, a bad snap that knocked them out of field goal range. That field goal range, the, the game would have probably been over if they'd have made that. Um, and also a drop pass in the end zone. Oh, West Virginia should have won that game, but they did not make the plays that teams make when upsets happen. And Oklahoma just not that good, man. They're they're just they're not, not that good right now.
1: They're 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 really not. I mean, uh, Ohio State kind of got back on track. Um, yeah, Oklahoma is not very good. I I think you know the fans really want the fans are really kind of tired of Spencer Rattler. Um, they're I guess they're wishing he would move on. Um, yeah, Clemson. At this point, they're just ranked on, they're awful, man. They're just ranked on, on reputation. And guy, I never thought I would agree with that last phrase. There, Notre Dame is also overrated.
2: Um, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't. I mean, they're pretty good right now. Um, the, they, they went. To, I think they went to overtime against Toledo. I and mean, that's yeah, all it's it, all relative. I mean, people just- got so so excited because Auburn scored sixty points on Akron and Alabama State, and they went up there and maybe Penn State's overrated as well. <laughs> maybe that win over Wisconsin wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Because yeah, I think Penn State is. I, I I just don't think we know. They're like fifth or sixth. Penn State, but yeah.
1: Yeah, that's probably a little. That's probably a little high for them. Yeah,
2: and uh, but they still have a game against Iowa. They, I think they still have the Michigan stuff. Michigan's lying in the weeds. I think that we're not paying attention to them enough at this yeah, point, I, I and they're able to kind of move along in the weeds. Yeah, they're they're just
1: creeping along, waiting to jump. That I I was a team that to me I, I think they have more than they than they produce like. They struggle to produce a lot of points. They're, they're just not very. They don't have a lot of pizzazz. They don't get a lot of attention. They're just kind of there, um, and, and that's kind of why Iowa was not good. But they can sit there. And they could pick you off like, like, just like that. So uh, it's going to be an interesting year in college football. We may have an All SEC playoff man. Uh, how, how crazy yeah. would that be? There, there's not. Yeah. A, there's not a team that. I, there's not a team that I could look at. Maybe Oregon.
2: The ACC and the Big Twelve is done. There's like, you can't you can't put Oklahoma in at this point. Oregon, ha- Oregon has a shot, but they're going to drop a game to like a UCLA or somebody they shouldn't because they always do. They're not going to run UCLA's this pretty thing. Pretty good now. You said I mean, even though they lost to Fresno State, yeah, they're pretty good. They might be pretty good, but I'm talking about for the playoff. That loss, any loss for the Pac-12 is going to be a disqualifying factor. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be an SEC Big Ten thing. And who's the team from the Big Ten? There's no Iowa State. Iowa's there, Penn State's there, and Michigan's lying in the weeds. Michigan there. Michigan ain't gonna happen for Michigan. Michigan is oh, yeah. Michigan's not gonna beat Ohio State because they don't gonna beat, beat State. Ohio State. Yeah.
1: They're not gonna beat Penn State. And if they play Iowa, yeah. they ain't gonna beat Iowa either.
2: If um Penn State defeats um Michigan and gets going, I might be a little bit of a believer. Um, on their behalf moving forward.
1: Penn State's gotta win a game big mm. against a against a, a, a against a good opponent, against a worthy like if they if they come out and, and just totally kick Michigan's ass, that could make me believe them in a little bit. Right now they're just they're like they're good, but are they playoff good? Yeah, I don't know. Is Iowa playoff good? Yeah, I don't know. Is Ohio State playoff good? Yeah, I don't know. Oklahoma, no. Clemson, hell to the no. Uh, Oregon, they've got to play perfectly down the stretch. Coastal's got a chance, man. (laughs) they got a chance to get in. Cincinnati, if they beat Notre Dame, they're in. Cincinnati's got a chance. Well, Cincinnati's yeah. a big twelve team, technically, so I'm okay with that. Yeah,
2: they, they might claim them. Um, John DeLon said um, Ohio State just looks like they're they don't want to get into a fist fight with anyone. It's like they expect everyone to roll over for them because they're wearing Ohio State uniforms, and that is true exactly true.
1: Never been spoken. Hmm. True words never been spoken, John. Well done. Well done. That's that's probably the best way to ever describe Ohio State.
2: Um, I got a question I would, for you. Is Ryan yeah. Day Larry Coker? No. Mm-mm. Are you sure? Yeah, I think he's better. Because um, Urban's gone. Those players are starting to go, and it's starting to become Ryan Day's team. And this team is looking... Shameful. I think they're...
1: I think there was going to be a noticeable drop off with Justin Fields, no matter who the coach was. Okay. Yeah, I think it's an Alabama situation. They lost too much. I think they lost a lot, and you lose Justin Fields. I mean, you lose a superstar quarterback. There's going to be a drop off. Clemson was. Clemson fell off a damn cliff. Ohio State is. You know, I, I think Ryan Day's good. I mean, is he one of the best? Is he one of the tops in the country? Maybe. Maybe we're a little premature on that, but he's he's certainly a he's certainly a good coach. Certainly a good coach. I, I, I mean, honestly, um, the, the shine's kind of worn off Lincoln Riley a little bit. I would like to see Lincoln Riley maybe go take another job just to kind of see where he's at. Like, I, I would like to see Lincoln Riley take his talents out to Southern Cal and get the USC job and see what he can do out there. And now we're going to see if Oklahoma is – Southern Cal already plays That's soft. That's true. That's true. They're going to hire Nick Saban, so it's okay. Um <laughs> No, the, no, it's John Gruden. John Gruden's up for every job, right? Is that what it is? <laughs> Just the Tennessee job. Every time it comes open, old Gru, man. Mm. Hey, um. All right. So, m- most overrated coach in college football. Uh, maybe, maybe. I was gonna say maybe Brian Kelly, but um, that's also. I'm gonna say Coach O.
2: Coach O is the most overrated coach, and he's on the hot seat right now. He's because, overrated? Yes, he's overrated because I, he gets way too much credit for 2019, and 2019 would have happened no matter who was calling that those plays.
1: That's true. Yeah, I, I didn't think he – I don't know. I just didn't think he got any credit really. I yeah, thought they were giving yeah. it all to Joe Brady, but maybe not. Um, yeah, and yeah. yeah, at, at O – Ooh, yeah, Edo. Yeah, he's a terrible, man. Um, so you want shall we dive into week five? Yeah, let's dive into week five. Week five, man. So we, we look at some games here. Uh some interesting slate of games. We're gonna talk about Alabama Ole Miss, obviously, on Wednesday night, and the best of the West guys will also uh, dive into that, Kevin and Kevin and Jake are doing a tremendous job over there. By the way, uh, our chat is ripping and roaring right now. Um, so join in on the fun. Um, trust me, I'm an LSU fan. The O train is almost empty and off the track. So John Delon, thank you uh, for that. Uh, but you have a lot of interesting matchups. I mean, you got a barn burner, UConn and
2: Vanderbilt. Is that game of the week? Vanderbilt is, might actually get them one. Vanderbilt is a two touchdown favorite over somebody. Just that's, think about that. That's, a two funny. touchdown favorite.
1: That's pretty funny. Uh, you got A&M Mississippi State. That's a fairly interesting contest. Um, but the ones to uh, the notable ones in the uh, East that we're going to really uh, talk about, uh, Kentucky, Florida, uh, Tennessee, Missouri, and Arkansas, Georgia. Uh, Let's start with Tennessee, Missouri. Um, You know, you've got two teams that are Honestly, very similarly in how they're built. Um, You have a coach that's in year one and you have a coach that's in year one plus. I I kind of count the COVID year as kind of an odd year. So for Drinkwitz, this is kind of still an extension of his first year because this is his first normal offseason cycle. So he's kind of still in his first year. So um, you got two teams that are very similarly built in, in the way that they don't have a ton of depth right now. They are very similar in scheme. Uh, Bazelak obviously Missouri has upper hand at the quarterback position with Bazelak, but um, you know I, I think if Tennessee can get healthy at that position with Hendon Hooker, they're they're in the same boat. So I expect to see a very competitive matchup here. Um, you know, honestly. So what what are you looking for in, in this one? You know, Tennessee Missouri, like what are you what's your expectations
2: on this? I hope Hendon Hooker is okay. I hope he gets that start. The line has it at about three points, which is basically home field. So, if it was a neutral side, it'd be a pick If it was a Knoxville, Tennessee would be favored. Mm -hmm. And Connor Bazelak is the better quarterback. He probably gets the pick for this one. Um, But, you know, I I don't know. After the BC game, there's defensive problems. Tennessee is going to run it down their throat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have Tyon Evans and Jabari Small, really formidable running duo. Which, you know, when you, when you look at a Josh Heupel team, you, you, running the football really doesn't. It's not really the first thing you think about, but for Tennessee, it is. They're good at that. You know, they've they're pretty good with at least with their first unit and, and, and a couple of subs up front. Uh, with with Cade Mays being being the number one guy leading that pack at, at right tackle. So you do have some talent mixed in there, um, but, you know for Tennessee, they just got to finally kind of put it all together and this is one of those games where they could sneak up and, and, and snipe you if, you, if you're Missouri because Missouri's prone to that. Missouri doesn't do a good job of taking care of the ball. They get lackadaisical in stretches. I, I think their mental focus, their mental sharpness or mental toughness or a combination of all of those uh, ad, adjectives are, are that's kind of what plagued Missouri. That's kind of what that's kind of what kept them from, from beating Kentucky where they had some chances. That's what kept them from not putting away Boston College when they had the, when they had the chance to twice, um, and actually losing that game, giving up big plays. They're just not good at stretches in the in the ball game. They've got the talent to do it. Chisholm is one of the. One of my favorite receivers in this league, but he hasn't been very productive uh, for the Tigers. Rushing wise, you got Batty, who only has four hundred. He has four hundred seventeen yards, five touchdowns. They're okay. They, like I said, they do some things in stretches, but not really consistently. Tennessee is building that consistency. Tennessee has a little bit more explosiveness than this in Missouri, and that's kind of where I'm going to kind of favor the underdog here because Tennessee's a little hungrier too. I think.
2: Yeah, I think this game could be a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, Connor Basilac is one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. He reminds me of a Matt Corral when he was a freshman or a sophomore, a very young guy. I mean, and one of the best passes I've ever seen a quarterback throw was Connor Basilac last year on fourth down against Tennessee. I mean, it, 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 it was pretty unbelievable. Um, so I'm curious to see if Tennessee has the depth to close out a game. I know they're going to try there. They've been deficient on big plays. And if Joe Milton goes in the game, the game, you know, take Mizzou all day. Yeah. They have a shot of him hooker plays.
1: Exactly. It's all going to depend on the quarterback position mm-hmm. and somebody's going to have to finish out this game. So somebody's going to, somebody's going to get the upper hand. I think that's going to be Tennessee. Um, but uh, if there's a
2: problem with Hendon hooker, they need to play Harrison Bailey period. What do you have to lose at this point? Yeah. You know, it's you know, square peg round hole.
1: Game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you you know what you got in Joe Milton, yeah. which is not much. You're one dimensional with Joe Milton. You know, I, I love your joke. If you need him to throw it uh, 40 yards, he can throw it 40 yards. If you need him to throw it 30, he will throw it 40. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, that's true. It's mm-hmm. absolutely true. Um, we got a uh, we got a great debate going on in the uh, in in the chat there. I think they're still on Coach O. Um, <laughs> he completely botched his cur- his coordinator hires. I, I think he's still reeling off the Pelini hire. Uh, I think Pelini's still there somehow. He's just not. He's just not advertised as being hired. Uh, I think Pelini's still calling the defense. I think he's a, like row uh, row GG in section 14. And he's giving the signals and, and they're still trying to follow him, I guess. I don't know what they're doing at LSU. It's weird.
2: Yeah. Um, Coach hey, O is just a weird guy. Hey, John, what you got at LSU is when David Aranda was there, he had linebackers that could cover the B gap and it was supposed to cover the A gap and they weren't asked to do too much. Bo Pelini came in and those same guys were asked to go sideline to sideline. And they didn't have the body type to do that. It was the same thing with um, big lumbering linebackers and it created a bunch of space. And Bo Pelini gets a lot of blame for what's going on. Coach O needs to get that blame because he hired the guy to bring in the system that would absolutely not match his personnel. It was a dumb hire.
1: It was. He should have went more along the Dave Aranda line of thinking. Hmm. You know, sometimes you know, you, you talk about with, with with hires, you know, staying congruent versus going outside the box. When things are a complete disaster, yeah, go outside the box. Take some take some of your lumps and then move on, and just recruit your way out of that. When yeah, things coming are off of, a national, coming off a coming national, off a national game, champion, championship, where your culture is great, your guys are a complete fit, and your coordinator gets a head coaching job, you need to stay congruent with that hire. See, I'm using I'm using SAT words today. Um, otherwise, it's going to be a disaster. Then you're going to get your butt fired. So, you know, it's it's crazy. Um, but, uh, that's, that's my, that's my coach O rant, but I I think, I think Tennessee, obviously, I, I really kind of like the way they're playing. I I think Tennessee's arrow is pointing up. Missouri's arrow is pointing sideways. They're kind of just stuck right now. They're kind of on a plateau. So if Missouri wants to go next level with their program under Eli Drinkowitz, this is the game. They not only beat Tennessee, they kill them. Like, if Missouri, if they, want to, if they want the fan base to buy in to Eli Drinkowitz, this is the game they win by two touchdowns. I agree with home, that. Absolutely. In, in convincing fashion. Mm-hmm. If this is a tight game or you lose it, that Drinkowitz train, the next stop could be the last. And the patience is going to run thin with Drinkowitz. mm mm-hmm. And he might be taking his butt back to App State or he might be the next head coach at Louisville if they want to stick with App State guys. I don't know. But they better figure something out fast, right? So um, and with the transfer portal stuff, there's no more excuses now. There is like, there is no, hey, we're at Missouri. We have a hard time recruiting. Uh, we have a hard time recruiting Oklahoma and Texas. No. Transfer portal, it's free agency, babe. We got to get it.
2: Yeah. Guy um has discovered the that YouTube is better than Facebook mm-hmm. and is and, and, and it has has transferred over his one time exemption to do that. And um also Guy, if you hit the bell and subscribe, you'll see that um they'll tell you not only that we're streaming, they'll tell you what we're streaming about and you can decide if you want to catch it live or on demand. It's a pretty good feature.
1: Yeah. It- Listen to Steve. He's the YouTube. He's used to. I can't talk now. All of a sudden, I use all these SAT words. Now I can't talk. I can't string a sentence together without going without stumbling. All right. So that's Tennessee. Tennessee, this is a this is a big program momentum builder if they win. Missouri, same thing if you win big. Missouri, you've got to win big. All right. There's a little foreshadowing in the background. You hear those dogs. There's a little foreshadowing. Yeah, that's no, uh, Archie. What's up, Archie? Hey, buddy. Um, Archie's just getting his opinions in. Archie
2: really loves... uh, Archie really loves... uh Coach, O. um, so our next oh, game. Real, well, real quick before we go to the next game, I do want to tell everybody that, um, Positively Ole Miss is getting with the Tide Talk podcast guys to do a joint preview on Thursday night at 8 30 that you can come in and participate and have your say of what's going on. So we're going to have, mm-hmm. um, Jake Thomas from the Best of the West and his partner from the Tide Talk podcast, Stacy Blackwood. And, um, it is going to be um pretty cool and we're gonna live stream it and give you guys a say and get any questions asked what's going on. So um I'm pretty excited about that. We set that up today.
1: Oh yeah I saw I saw that. Um yeah I I I jumped in the I jumped in the podcast earlier for Mm -hmm. for a minute. It was fun. Um yeah yeah uh yes is it smokey in the background protesting (laughs) that's pretty funny. Um (laughs) yes yes he is um He should be because I'm I'm really high on Tennessee right now, which I don't know what's gotten into me. Maybe the sun kiss has gone bad. Um, So at the big grocery bag, um, Florida or Kentucky welcomes Florida, a game that I thought was going to be top billing, possibly this this particular week. Um, A a game that I thought was going to be for you know who gets to take on Georgia to get the upper hand in the East. Not anymore. Um, This game, you know, obviously uh, we come in, the line now is Florida minus eight and a half. That game was going to be a Kentucky minus three at the beginning of the season. Now you look at it as Florida minus eight and a half. And that, that line could keep climbing Uh, Kentucky for me. I, you know, they just got to find some semblance of an identity, whether that be focus on the run, set up the pass, or pass to run or, you know, what are you going to do? What are you trying to do? What, what is your team good at? You know, defensively, there's some low scores, So defensively, they're keeping you in the ball game. And I think they will continue to do that. But offensively, what are you going to do? Like it's obvious. Wondell Robinson and Chris Rodriguez need the ball in their hand. How are you going to do it effectively if you're Kentucky? How are you going to get your crowd at Kroger field in Lexington when they come over from Keeneland drunk and, and uh, happy about winning money on horse races, when they come to your game, what are you going to do to build excitement in that stadium for a school that is basketball, basketball, basketball,
2: what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, um, Wondell Robinson um, needs to be a deep, genuine, deep threat. John Leggett, deep threat in this game and will Levis needs to come through. This is where he's made his bones is on the deep ball and you need to do it against Florida. It's their only hope. If they think they're going to come in and use Chris Rodriguez and try to run on Florida, they're not going to do that. You have got to find a way to make that defense softer. And that is by throwing the ball downfield.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and yes, uh, is it going to take a few run Chris Rodriguez into a brick wall plays to get stuff set up? Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. You get this defense licking their chops. They're prone to screens. They're prone to deep shots. They're prone to just getting, you know, they're an over-aggressive defense. So anything that you can think of that will work against an overaggressive defense will work against Florida. And you can make this game very, very interesting. But to me, I just don't think Kentucky has a lot of confidence. I don't think they have anything they can hang their hat on at this moment. It's very disappointing to me, actually, uh, when when you when you really think about it and look at it. So, I don't know, man. Um, you know, Kentucky—they're just going to have to figure some things out. Can they do it against Florida? Probably not. Uh, Florida, right now, they're they're in a good space. Right, uh, Emory Jones is. Um, I, I think Emory Jones is playing really well right now. I I think he's completing just enough passes right now just enough big passes to keep this Florida offense going. I, I really like the way Florida's playing right now. I, I they're getting better each and every week. They're showing me a little something. They went from not covering spreads. Now they're covering spreads. Now they're starting to play more together and they're well coached. They've always kind of been well coached. And I wasn't sure if Dan Mullen was going to be really, really stubborn, but I think he's doing a good job there. And yes, Cassidy, I am getting a break from picking on me with my Windows ninety five stuff, and you know what it was, Steve? What was it? I I had es and I had a tab open with ESPN, and like the screen went green, you know, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden I closed the tab, and like I haven't had any issues since. It's crazy. It's crazy.
2: ESPN ruining everything, man. Uh, Becky has started calling you um, randomly Windows ninety five, Corey. By the way,
1: yes. I, I deserved it. But I think it was every time I had ESPN open because I close everything else. Literally. Mm-hmm. L- literally. So, yeah.
2: And also um, Dan Mullen does a good, is doing a great job with Emory Jones. He, he's treating him like he did when he had Nick Fitzgerald. He's doing the things that he has to do. Simple half progressions, nothing really complex. There's no contrast stuff going on. And I, I, it's really good. I don't know if it's good enough to beat Georgia. Good. But, um, it's about maxing out what they are this year. Well, I mean, Anthony Richardson is getting healthy
1: and they're going to have a hard time scoring on Georgia, but what team has it so far? Yeah. Um, so that, that that doesn't really that doesn't really that barometer really doesn't mean much you're not going to score much on georgia but you're but if you can force georgia into some mistakes and get them on a short field you can catch the momentum that way um and that's going to have to be how they play but in in this game I, I just think kentucky just tries to do too much um just i, I think they've gotten you know i think the nfl guys either to have to learn or you got to get back to the nfl so uh upgrade to five, 56k Corey. <laughs> Oh, It doesn't stop. I love it. Uh, What would I do without you guys? Um, Guy cats need to buy a younger coach if they don't compete with Florida and Georgia this year. Um, I think Stoops is doing a good job building uh, defensively. Uh, You know, I'd like to see Cohen out another year to see if he figures things out. Um, But I, I do tend to agree with you on that. They need to get a younger offensive minded coach uh, if, if if they want to compete and, and and give that a shot, so um, you know they, they were they were pretty good with how mummy. They just need to kind of hit. Maybe they need to hire Lincoln Riley when he gets fired at Oklahoma. I don't know. Um, but lastly, and you know what? We'll save our picks. I know it says it down there on the bottom, but we'll save our picks. Yeah, Tennessee after the dark f- for for after dark. Hmm. Um, so we'll end we'll end the show with Georgia Arkansas. This is this is probably. I don't know if you look at Auburn LSU as is, is possibly, or I don't know, there's some contest down in Oxford or some contest down in Tuscaloosa, Bama, Bold Miss, Who cares about that game, really? Right. No, uh, just kidding. Uh, but Georgia, as far as Eastern, as far as Eastern division goes, is, is the game of the week. Um, yes, Kentucky can do a lot worse than Stoops, and they have. Yeah. <laughs> they have. <laughs> they have. Trust me. Stoops is, Stoops is probably, probably been the best coach they've had. Uh, either him or Rich Brooks. Rich Brooks kind of plateaued out. Uh, Stoops Stoops took them from the deep dark basement. They were horrible yeah. when Stoops took over. Like they were, they were like Yukon bad when Stoops took them over. Um, but anyway, Arkansas Georgia. This game coming into the season, I thought it was going to you know obviously be a, a cold tub type game. You knew that coming in with a Sam Pittman team. You knew uh, defensively they were going to play the drop eight and they were gonna cover the field and they were gonna get pressure on you and they were gonna knock you over. What I didn't realize was that Arkansas was gonna turn into a top, you know, a top 15 team, in which I think they're slightly underrated. Arkansas is physical. KJ Jefferson has to get the award for most improved in the conference at this point and probably has a chance of getting conference player of the year um, for the jump that he made. Obviously Matt Corral is who he is, but we knew that going into the season. Obviously JT is who he is. We knew that going into the season. Bryce Young is who he is, but KJ Jefferson, did anybody expect this out of him? I certainly didn't. I thought it was going to be, how can they survive and teach him how to throw accurately? He's figured that out.
2: So, yeah, I I I think he's a good quarterback and he throws a, Fairly consistent deep ball. His intermediate passing game is not where it needs to be. And that's, that's going to get him in trouble a little bit. Mm -hmm. And honestly, at least against this defense, it will. Yeah. um, If you look at the second half of the Arkansas game last week against A&M, KJ Jefferson was running around on duct tape and Traylon Burks got hurt as well. Mm -hmm. And with those two guys, this team is completely different with them off the field. Mm -hmm. So, I want to see if they're healthy. I want to see exactly what their plan is because Kendall Brawls, Kendall Brawls is the guy that made De'Aaron King famous. I mean, all of his NIL, all of his transfer, all of the height is because of Kendall Brawls four years ago. That's how good of a good of a um, coordinator this guy is. And that's how long De'Aaron King's been playing. Holy cow.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think you know. I'm interested to see the plan as well because you know you're not going to just be able to line up and cram it down Georgia's throat like you have against everybody else.
2: Um, you Why know, be power against Georgia, you're in trouble.
1: Yeah, you're in big trouble. Like, yeah. You know, that defensive front's going to eat your lunch. nakobe Dean's going to be all over the place. Jordan Davis is going to. Jordan Davis might break somebody before the season's over. I'm surprised he didn't break somebody at Vanderbilt. I don't think he played a lot against Vanderbilt. I don't remember seeing him. Too, too much.
2: Um, but If I'm Arkansas, I find my three best trick plays. Mm-hmm. My three best trick plays and in the first first quarter I use them all and try yep. to get a 17-point lead and let that defense take over. Really, this, if you think about it, it's the same formula for Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. They jumped on them early because Matt Corral showed the first time you go against that drop-eight defense that they play. You you could be in a little bit of trouble, and, and 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 JT Daniels has never seen that defense. It's a little bit different yeah. the way they play.
1: Exactly, and and you have to you have to be patient against that kind of defense. And and hmm. and offensive coordinators aren't patient. I'm not patient. I'm an offensive coordinator. I'm not patient enough. I wish I was, but I'm not. Um, so I, I think for for Georgia, they have to a be prepared for to stop the trick plays. I think. I think if I'm Kendall Bryles, I screen Georgia to death, quick screen him to death, get those guys running laterally and potentially wear them out. I think tempo is something that I use uh, with that as well. Get those guys a little bit tired. Um, and then defensively, I I put heat on, on JT. I heat up JT Daniels because we know he can't move. We just heat him up. Cause Georgia's going to struggle to run on Arkansas because Arkansas is good in run defense. They're physical. Those guys get after it. those linebackers. I really love those linebackers. Um, and I think when you look at the way they play, it's just, it's tough to move the ball in them. Um, A and M saw that. Um, obviously A and M's not. Georgia and 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 the talent they have on on that side of the ball, but you know you potentially get Darnell Washington back. That's a big deal. I think Georgia's intermediate passing game with Brock Bowers and Lad McConkey has been outstanding. Um, two guys that I never thought in a million years that we would rely on this year, um, but we have been. Brock Bowers is a leading guy, one of the leading receivers in the conference especially from the tight end spot. So, you know, for Georgia, they're going to have to fi- They're just going to have to, you know, Brock Bowers and uh, John Fitzpatrick are going to have like 30 catches apiece probably. Um, and, the you know, if, if you're Georgia, you have to be able to sustain 12, 13-play drives, which they haven't been able to s- sustain many of those. They've scored on big plays, explosive plays. They haven't sustained long drives. Arkansas is going to force you to do that.
2: Yeah it's pretty amazing this defense that Arkansas runs it's a, it's the Iowa State defense basically and what they've done it they took a 425 they remove the three technique and put him put in a defensive back in his place. So you end up with two rushers on the outside and a, and a real Terrence Cody, like nose guard. So it's pretty interesting and they can do stuff on the back end that makes it a little bit different, difficult. And there's just some really athletic guys on the back end of that defense. Yeah. So if you get over aggressive, it will absolutely jump up and bite you because they're pretty quick, but you, it hasn't happened yet, but I've been waiting on teams to bully ball Auburn, um, Arkansas, and just line up Zier White, hand you the ball and say, Let's go. And yeah, I, I'm I'm curious what will happen with that. But Texas tried that. Bijan Robinson did not have success. A&M, they broke a big one. But they did not have success running the ball. But neither one has, of them had a Georgia has four guys that can do that. Yeah, neither one of the neither one of those teams have a passing threat anywhere close to JT Daniels. So I, I, I'm, I'm interested in this game. I think this game will um, answer a lot of questions. Yeah, I mean, it'll say you know, are we giving too much love to Arkansas? Which they deserve every bit of
1: love that we're giving them. Let's just go ahead and throw that out there. But, but. You go up against a team like Georgia, are you ready to win that game if you're Arkansas? And Georgia could certainly bully ball them. They could certainly kid in 20, 20 personnel or 21 personnel and just cram it down your throat with Zamir White, James Cook, Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton. You have four guys right there that are just heavy, heavy runners. Um, and, and then they have things in the RPO game. They have things that they can do off of that stuff. Like the game plan they had against Clemson, I think they're a little bit more explosive now at this point, so they can add to that, and those shots downfield, they can actually hit those things now, or those those intermediate passes, they can actually hit those things now because you have a healthier group of wide receivers, so it makes it a little
2: bit more dangerous. Yeah. But yeah, just, just don't get yourself into trouble by trying to force stuff. JT Daniels can absolutely throw them their way into trouble with this defense. Um, take what the defense gives you, play your game and hand the ball off to that stable of running backs. And just, like I said, just go through. I think this game will be one that maybe Georgia has a chance to cover that line. I'm not, I'm not yeah. expecting Arkansas to be ready for this game. Um, the I'm one that I, the one I expect to be ready to for prime time is down in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, that's
1: that's going to be an interesting game. We'll talk about that more on uh, SEC mm-hmm. After Dark. But uh, this is going to definitely be a cold tub game for for Georgia. You know where they're crowding the cold tubs on Sunday morning and getting treatment. And Ron Corson's going to have his work cut out for him because it's going to be a physical physical game. But um, you know, I, I just to me. Arkansas is a good team. They'll have their chances. Are they going to be able to take advantage of them? Or are they going to give themselves enough chances to win this game? And this game, this game for a team like Arkansas, it can get away from you pretty, pretty quick. So uh, they've got to be, be wary of that. And, and if it gets away from Arkansas too quick, they could get into a, a, a position where they're just reeling. They're having to take chances on defense just to give themselves a chance. And that's when they're susceptible to a big play, but but
2: Steve, yeah, they're they're front runners. They, yeah. they if they're ahead early, it's a different game than if they're playing catch up. They're not an offense built to play catch up. So if they don't front run, Arkansas is in a little bit of trouble because they just don't have the athletes, even at quarterback and running back. You know, Burks is a hell of a wide receiver, but it, I, I don't I don't trust them if they drop down early, and I think they're going to drop down early because George is, like I said, the, the best team in the country.
1: Yeah, and this will be, this will be a a noon kick for uh, for Georgia uh, against Arkansas on uh, on ESPN. So, uh, looking forward to that. You know, these early games sometimes can 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 get kind of tricky. But, but Steve, we're going to talk more about that on SEC After Dark. Uh, If you want to follow us on social media, just look just look down the page a little bit. You can find us. Uh, The chat man blazing. Blazing. Well, you know, all the newcomers, welcome. Um, you know, we we hope you join us on, on, uh, oh, we, I hope you join, uh, best of the West tomorrow night. And I hope you join, uh, join our show, SEC after dark on Wednesday, where I will be transitioning from some kiss to something a little more, uh, a little more nightcapish. So, um, but that's going to do it for us here. You're just going to have to wait for the picks Mm -hmm. because. I ain't going to give them to you. Uh, if Craig was here, I, I'd get his picks, but I'll give you my picks. Um, and Steve's picks, obviously on Wednesday night, you'll have to, and, and hopefully Craig will fill in his deal and I can give you his picks as well. So, um, that's going to do it for us, but yeah, you can find me, uh, at, uh, you know, believe in Georgia dogs podcast as well. We're, we're back to our normal time recording on, on Thursdays, uh, Israel troop and I are going to, are going to really dive deep into this matchup. So if you really need something on game day to kind of listen, uh, as if you're an SEC fan, uh, check that out. We will we'll get more in depth with this matchup. Uh, Georgia, Arkansas this week. Um, you can find me on Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. That's a uh, nationwide national podcast that I do. That's kind of how I have a pulse on, you know, stuff that's happening around the country. Uh, I, I do it with a couple of Big Ten guys. Uh, Matt Perkins from Believe in Badgers and Believe in Vanderbilt podcast. And, and of course, Josh Cook, who's my resident Iowa fan. Um, upgrade my internet. All I had to do, apparently, was close ESPN. So... Um, but yeah, I'll give you a hottie tie this weekend guy so you can beat Alabama. But, um, and of course you can catch me right here on Beast of the East and, and, uh, and SEC After Dark right here on Willis Digital Media, home of the podcast. So for Stephen Willis, who pinch hit for Craig. I hope you feel better. I'm Corey Burton. This is Beast of the East podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Also coming to you live on the video side of it from Willis Digital Media. We thank you for listening. Thank you uh, for participating in the chat. We hope you have a great week and an even better weekend. Here we go. Catch us. Catch us next time on Beast of the East. Peace.